Hey friends, Kylie here, your host of Dream On with Kylie O'Miller, back for season five of the Dream On podcast. I am so excited to be here today for another episode with a lacrosse legend, current college coach and Canadian national team captain, and someone who's played a major role in fighting for equal playing opportunities for women in lacrosse. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. These episodes are recorded from a live Zoom webinar that I hold through the KO17 Lacrosse app and are constructed into this Dream On podcast that you have found here. I hope you are gaining some insight from these episodes from some of the people that I have met throughout my lacrosse journey that have imposed so much of their wisdom on me. If you're loving our episodes so far, show us some love in the reviews and rate us five stars. Also, be sure to S-U-B-S-C-R-I-B-E. It would mean the world to us. All right, we've got another special guest this week, and I am so pumped to get right into it. Dana Doby is a name I am sure all our lacrosse people have heard, and it's most definitely for good reason. I was stoked to sit down with Dana and discuss all of the angles of her lacrosse career, from growing up in Ontario in a world with no field lacrosse or social media inspiration, to becoming one of the best players of all time. Her background of playing hockey and box lacrosse growing up proved to be one of the main reasons she was able to be the athlete's representative at conversations amongst world lacrosse for the sixes discipline of the game to erupt as the discipline to be played at the LA 2028 Olympics. And she not only just represented the athletes, she does what she does best, and she worked tirelessly to be amongst the group that has not only gotten lacrosse into the Olympics in 2028, but women's lacrosse into the Olympics for the first time in history and women's box lacrosse into the 2024 World Championships for the first time in history. Dana is just making history, and whether she likes to admit it on this episode or not, her humility, her kindness, and her overall dedication to her passion of this game is what has gotten her so far in this game. And I am someone who truly looks up to her, not only in our little lefty attacker corner of the world, but because of everything she's said in this episode. And I really can't wait for you to hear. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Dream On Podcast. I'm your host, Kylie O'Miller. Today, I'm joined by the literally legendary Dana Toby, um, Team Canada captain. She's a four-time All-World Honors at four different World Championships. Um, she also played on the U19 Canadian Junior Team. Um, she is a World Lacrosse Athletes Commission Vice Chair. She's a Maryland lacrosse alum. She also played at Ohio University, which we're going to get into. She's a two-time All-American, two-time Tour-Time finalist, NCAA's all-time leader in draw controls. She played professional seasons in the WPLL and the UWLX. She's currently the Loyola Lacrosse Assistant Coach since 2009, um, and just an awesome, awesome representative of our sport across all disciplines. So, Dana, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really honored to be to be here and hanging with you. Oh, gosh. You know, Kylie, I love listening to this podcast. So it was so cool to have you reach out and invite me on. And um, that intro was like way too long. So that just tells me I need to, it's soon time to hang up the cleats and oh, just stop. turn into a spectator. So I appreciate that kind intro too. Oh, please don't hang them up ever. Uh, I'll never get sick of watching you play. Um, but you know, playing against you, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. I learned so much. Two, <laughs> two lefties are better than one. So I remember when we played back in, in Japan, we got to go and play together. That was, that was like the best. So we should probably do that again instead of 
opponents. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was the best. I'll never forget that one play. And during that game, I think it was one you drove up the side or I drove up the side, the lefty wing, and it was a behind the back pass. So behind the get back goal. And I was like, I just remember the video of it. I couldn't find it now if I tried, but so it, fun. Yeah, it was just fun. And it was cool that we actually got the chance to like be on the same side. So absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate you. Um, so today we always like to start on the Dream On podcast. Off to a good start is what we call it, but we kind of just like to get a feel for where you're at right now while we're recording it. Um, so for reference, it is Monday, January 29th, 2024 at 5 p.m. Um, and I'd like to know something that you're thankful for today. Oh gosh, you know, honestly, I think the biggest thing, Kylie, is just like health and happiness and family, you know, the little things. Um And then the biggest one is just having a job that I love so much that I get to do every single day. Like I joke about it all the time. I would be a college lacrosse coach for free. And I know there's volunteer jobs, but I'll keep collecting the paycheck until they realize that I would do it for free. So that's kind of the big one. And then the the little ones. What about yourself? Oh, no one ever asked me back. Thank you. Um, You know, I'm really thankful for health and happiness too. Um, and and family, I think, you know, being surrounded by good people is something that sometimes we take for granted until we realize that, you know, it can be taken from us so quickly. So um, I'm very, very grateful to be surrounded by awesome family and friends and um, honestly, just supportive people in the lacrosse world. Every time I sit down for one of these podcasts, I learn something new. I leave the hour like way more inspired than I sat down. So um, I'm really grateful for that but thanks for asking. Um, What is something that you're proud to say that you've accomplished so far today? I would say just like a really long playing career. You know, I started playing lacrosse when I was four years old. I probably fell in love with the sport when I was two years old, just trying to like be my older brother, Jason, and follow him around. And even though he tried to get rid of me, I just stuck, stuck like a shadow behind him wherever he was going. But to think about I'm 39 now and I'm still competing at such a high level. That's just something I'm so thankful for. And, you know, with sport injuries come and go and and I've had my fair share of them, but the fact that I get to coach every day and then look forward to big competitions internationally, whether that's sixes or box or field, you know, it's something that I'm just really, really appreciative of every single day when I get to train, I'm going to train anyways. So it's a lot better to be able to train for something than for nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's so much better when you know that there's something at the end of it that you're actually working towards. Uh, Well, speaking of the last question for our off to a good start is what are, what is something that you're pumped to go chase could be with the rest of today could be with the rest of this year. It could be just in general. What is something that you're pumped to chase? Yeah, this this year's a huge one. I know for us at Loyola specifically, we've graduated some players like Jillian Wilson and Katie Detweiler that you don't really replace. You know, you absolutely reload and you bring in new players and and players step up in, into new roles and they're ready for it. And I'm just so excited to chase the season with the Hounds and see what we can accomplish and heads we can turn and surprises that that can be made. And then as far as myself, um, as an athlete, I'm really excited to chase this box lacrosse world championship in September. And that's where I started as a lacrosse player. And not that I'm saying it's the end in September, but it's going to be really, really cool to hopefully make that final roster and, and compete for a medal at that world championship. Yeah, that's huge. And that kind of brings us right into our episode here. But um, you had a big, big 
um, play a big, big role to play in getting lacrosse into the women's world box championships. Um, so in terms of like, like you said, you started with box lacrosse, you started with that discipline. Um, what is, what does that all mean to you? I'm sure that's a question that you've, you've gotten a lot in the last couple of months, but to know that it's actually here, it's like actually 2024, it's real, it's happening. Like, what are the feelings that, that go on inside? Yeah, I think after our first tryout, I was just like emotionally so drained, but drained in such an inspiring way. It had taken so long to get to that point. And I don't know what took Lacrosse Canada so long to like have a first tryout. They knew that we were working on this since like 2019. So we should have been starting a lot earlier. But um, after that tryout, just having so many female players, the youngest being like 15, the oldest was even older than I was like in her 40s, having these range of girls and women come up to me just being so thankful for the chance, not thankful to making the team or even playing at a world champion, but just thankful for the chance and the equal opportunity. And I know for lacrosse, we think so much about like professional lacrosse and AU and the PLL and NLL and college. And I think for so long, the women's box lacrosse was just not even talked about and so overlooked, even though there were so many women's box players around the world playing and competing and just sitting there like waiting for their chance to have that opportunity to play in a world championship in, in the box discipline. So um, it was just something I didn't anticipate that would be so big as it actually has been. Yeah, it's huge and, and it's awesome. And like, I hope you, um, and I'm speaking for, you know, all of us, but I hope you know that we're very grateful for all the work that you've done to get that version of the sport into the world championships and um, all over the world. That's the greatest part. We were just talking about how we played in Japan together and now we get to, you know, hopefully be able to compete at a world championships again now in, in a box, which is awesome. So, so, so awesome. I know it's so cool. And it's cool to hear those stories from your perspective too, right? Girls of all ages, women of all ages with all different perspectives on the game and just all so grateful. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm grateful as well is all I'm really getting at there. <laughs> me too. Me too. It, it's been awesome. And it's crazy to think when we went to the tryouts, even the U S players going to tryouts in England and Australia and stuff, to think that there's a generation that's not going to know anything different. So I've been so lucky to play in four world championships in four different countries, but never a box world championship. So when you look at someone's career on the men's side, you're seeing their box world championships, their field world championships, their sixes. And on the women's side, we were just so handcuffed with kind of our limited opportunity to compete. So now kids don't know any different. Like some of our younger players, on the Canadian team in one year, they're playing college, they're playing box, they're playing sixes, they're playing field. So when we used to have a huge gap between our competition after our collegiate career, now we're constantly playing and you're just going to see the growth of these female athletes like explode even further to what we were able to do on the field. So I'm so excited for the future of it all. Yeah, me too. And that's a great way to put it, right? They just, they won't know a, a world without it, um, which is so, so special. Um, and thanks to people like you. So 
I I also know we've we've tapped into a couple of the different hats that you wear. Um, you're a collegiate lacrosse coach, you're a player yourself, national teams, you're also a representative at World Lacrosse and so many other things, so many other hats that you juggle. Um, and that's a lot of what we talk about here on the Dream On podcast is sometimes working through some of those mindset changes and mentality changes and things that, you know, bring challenges our way. So can you talk on, you know, wearing all the hats that you wear and all the responsibilities that you have and how do you feel you've learned to kind of balance all of those priorities over the years? Yeah, I it all kind of like happened all at once. Like before I was just a player and then I was just coaching and then something happened with World Cross and we got this athletes commission and then it was like a zillion other things like coming at you. So I don't even think I knew the amount of responsibility that I was that I was going to have to have in that role but I just look back on it and I've met so many incredible people around the world and it's kind of been the best thing that could have happened to me at a time where you know when your career starts to slow down and what are you going to do next like when you're done playing you know whether you're a college athlete a high school athlete a pro athlete it's just so important to find perfect purpose and balance outside of your actual competition because shit happens things happen and you have to really know who you are and what's important to you and what you're passionate about outside of just being an athlete or outside of just being a coach or a mom or whatever it may be so I think wearing a lot of different hats has shown me that there's so many different directions through sport out there that you can impact and two that you can support And I think that's something that's so big for us as lacrosse players, boys or girls, men or women, is really support that sport so that we can grow this thing um, and we can start kicking basketball's butt and soccer's butt and football's butt. um, And we can maybe be the first look on a channel when you're scrolling through. So I don't know if I balance it, Kylie. Honestly, I'm terrible (laughs) with my calendar. I'm terrible with emails. So I'm just like, someone who's just living day by day moment by moment and hoping that I don't miss calls like this and I can get to things on time you crushed it I got a 453 text it was I'm gonna be there and I was so pumped so listen I get it lots of responsibilities means lots of craziness but it's all really cool because um it means you have you know so much like you said so much of an impact on all of the things that you do and that's why you wear so many hats um and I thought something cool that you mentioned there too, a little bit further back is that you were talking about how you grew up and you followed your brother around like a shadow uh, when you first started playing lacrosse. Let's dive into that a little bit more. So you grew oh up. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> he was amazing. My brother was amazing at lacrosse. So a lot of people know Dane Doby, who plays in the NLL, who's like an absolute goal scoring machine. He is not my brother even though it's Dana and Dane and everybody thinks that, so we can clear the record. He is my second cousin. So his dad and my dad are cousins. So we're second cousins, but um, my brother, Jason's three years older than I am. He played ice hockey, lacrosse. He played all the sports and was just a phenomenal athlete. And I think more importantly, just like a great person and a great teammate and was super humble. So I spent my whole childhood you know, in the backyard, we would make our own lacrosse nets, we would make our own training tools, and it would be hockey season, but we'd be picking up our lacrosse sticks and um, playing one-on-one and breakaways and making up games and trying to out-trick each other and horse, and um, it was just an incredible, incredible way to grow up as a, a young 
female athlete where women's sports wasn't what it's like now. Like there was no girls lacrosse, there was no girls hockey, there was no girls anything. So I was just playing with my brother and his friends and um, all my guys in my class too. But he just always treated me like Dana, not like his little sister. And, you know, my parents did a great job of letting me play and get dirty and, you know, be late for school because I was too tired after a hockey tournament and things like that. So um, I definitely wouldn't have been the player that I was or am if I didn't have that that big brother to chase around the backyard. Yeah, I love that. And that's really awesome that you mentioned about your parents too and having that support, just understanding like what your priorities were and what your loves were, your passions. Um, and what did like, like you said, after kind of like learning the game from your brother and really getting um, a chance to be competitive in those moments, what did the rest of your journey from when you first picked up a lacrosse stick to eventually getting to college look like? Like how often were you playing lacrosse? What were the opportunities like? Can you go a little bit more into that? Yeah, it's so funny because I didn't even know field lacrosse was a thing until I was like 14 years old. So I was playing box lacrosse and ice hockey. And I thought for sure that I was like going to be in the NHL. Like that was my goal. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to be a hockey player and hopefully meet up with Sidney Crosby and then we'd get married and have like the best life. You know what I mean? But (laughs) um, I was at... That still doesn't work. So Sydney, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, hit me up, buddy. Um, But I was at, I was at uh, our rival town, Alora's Arena. And one of the managers who was running the arena, like I'm dating myself here. Kids won't even know what this is. But a fax came through the arena and it was talking about a junior national team um, girls field lacrosse tryout. So they're just looking to see like if any of these organizations around the area had any girls that were playing lacrosse who wanted to try out for the field lacrosse national team so they passed it along to my dad and I and I was like yeah this is cool like lacrosse field so you play on a field but it's lacrosse like that sounds great so I showed up to the first tryout with my box bag and all my gear and the coaches and everyone was like no that you got to use this stick and I'm like how do you how do you even use this stick like there's no pocket there's no nothing no pads. You guys are crazy. (laughs) Um, And that was kind of the huge transition from, I thought I was going to be an ice hockey player my whole life to wait a minute. Like I love lacrosse more than hockey and I could compete and train and possibly play for my national team. And um, I don't think I knew about college field lacrosse until I was like 16, 17 years old. So like way after that. Um, But it's just like, a wild thing like if I wasn't in that arena at that time and I didn't know about that tryout like would I've just kept playing hockey or like what would have even happened so that's That's, just crazy yeah when you put it like that right like time and place everything happens for a reason I'm a big believer in that and wow so like you're after that tryout you show up with all your box gear and then you have to try out try with a women's stick and women's rules what's the transition like (sighs) Well, I tried out and I got asked back for the next tryout. And I think there was only like 50 people or 60 that got asked back and it was under 19. So most of the girls were like 17, 18, 19. And I was like 14 or 13 at the time. So then I go to the next tryout. I've been training for like six months. I've been doing this packet. I've been like running around town trying to make these times. 
doing agility work that I've never even done in my life. Like what do you, I didn't even know what a workout packet was. Like I'm in grade eight, like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then I show up for the next tryout and they picked uh, a roster of like, I think it was 30 to go on an international foreign trip. And I leave the tryout and I'm all pumped because like my envelope packet feels like packed. So I'm like, yes, I made the next um, training team. I'm going to get to go on this like international tour. And I open up my envelope and it's like, unfortunately, you have not been selected. And I was just like, you know, all the blood just like rushed through my body. I've never been cut from anything yet, especially not in lacrosse and like girls lacrosse that is right. And it was like a huge, massive turning point for me because I think it just proved how much I loved playing lacrosse, how much I wanted lacrosse to like be in my future, how I wanted to represent Canada through the sport of lacrosse. And then I kind of just changed everything about my training, what I was doing and, and took it to a whole new level. And then luckily the next junior team, when I was the older one, finally got to make it and got to play and got to compete. But that was just like such a wild two years of going through that whole process. And even though it sucked, it sucked so bad to get cut and like completely crushed me. I think it just showed me what was really important. So. Yeah. And I think that's really huge for um, at least some of our listeners to hear too, that someone of your caliber as a player can be cut from a team at some point throughout their journey. Right. And you learn from it. And that's how you were able to get to where you are today, Um, you know, part of it. And I think that's really important that you shared that story. So thank you. Um, But I also know, like, from personal experience, too, like being cut from a national team is no easy feat. Right. And what what was it that like when you came back for that U19, you were also probably around the time, would you say it was probably you were 18 at that point? You were thinking about college. What was that? What yeah. was the mindset difference and how was everything different there? Yeah, we had some, so some older girls um, above my junior team that were on the senior team. They were all in the U.S. playing, whether they're playing for like Ohio State, Ohio University, Cornell, JMU. They were kind of spread out along at some really great programs. So that next junior tryout, one of our final tryouts, we got to train with the senior team at the same location, which was really cool. So that's when they were talking to us about like college lacrosse, what it was like, you know, where should you be looking and, and kind of just diving into that a little bit more. But um, I, I like, didn't really play any tournaments in the U S so like no one knew who we were, like what we were about. So Thankfully, some of my senior uh, players ahead of me who were at Ohio University told their coach, you need to call Dana on September 1st. You need to to invite her to come to Ohio and come play with us. So that was like my only phone call I got on September 1st was from Ohio University. And I had gotten a couple like other letters. I didn't even like I didn't know who UNC was. I didn't know who like some of these other places were that had reached out over like actual letters in the mail so it was just like when I look back on it I'm like so wild but so fortunate that I didn't have like the wild wild west of everything that's going on right now I really was really like such a authentic like transition from high school and playing high school sports and competing in high school 
to getting to um, prepare to go to college yeah. and, and go to Ohio and get ready. And that summer before my freshman year at Ohio, we played in Towson at our uh, junior world championship. And then after that world cup, I had like so many people like call, reach out, trying to talk to me about college. And I was like, sorry, thank you so much for your interest, but I'm going to Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Um, and really, really cool that it was at Towson too. Cause you know, that was where the last field world championships. Just yeah, exactly. Happened. So crazy. So full circle, like big moments in your career. And um, all, that's really, really cool. And just like fun to hear about too, is how the one, the process is so different to how it was different because you were from Canada and it's a little bit different than it is here in the U S when it comes to, you know, the recruiting process. Um, and definitely something that like I see with some of the girls that I work with now. Right. Um, and something that I'm trying to help a little bit, no matter how much so I can. So hard. Yeah. yeah. It's like so great that they have you to kind of just like talk through it. I mean, obviously right. as a college coach, you know, for everybody out there, it is so hard for us too. Like yeah. the whole process is absolutely bizarre and wild. And it's also supposed to be just like so incredible because, you know, it's a lot, it, it should be your dream to play lacrosse in college. It, it's so hard and it's so difficult. So if it's not something that you're so excited about and passionate about, I think that's probably telling you that it, it might not be the, the right direction for you. So it's so good they have someone like you to kind of just help them and guide them and let them know it's it's going to be okay. Yeah, they're here. Hey guys, Kylie here. A short break from our conversation to remind you to check in on our social channels. You can find little snippets from our episodes on Instagram at at dream.on underscore pod. And if you're a lacrosse stud looking for a unique way to train and develop into the best version of yourself, like our guest here most definitely has, check out the KO17 Lacrosse app in the App Store. That's KO17 Lacrosse. And at D R E A M period O N underscore P O D on Instagram. Come join the fam and we can keep dreaming on together. Okay, enough of that. We back. you're going to find your home. You are going to find your home. And um, I think that's something that brings me into my next question, right? You said you started at Ohio University and then you went through some setbacks. You mentioned that early, early on in this podcast and, um, you know, setbacks set us up for our successes sometimes, but they also come with really low moments. So can you talk a little bit about your um, time at Ohio University? You were there for two years, right? Or redshirt? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so played played two years, um, go Bobcats, and then my what year was that? My junior year, um, I had two ankle reconstruction surgeries, so one on my left ankle and one on my right ankle, and tried to come back for that junior season, and just unfortunately, like, couldn't play at like a hundred percent. So, ended up taking that redshirt year and. And that was in 2005. So I was supposed to play my first ever senior world championship at the Naval Academy um, the year that Australia and Jen Adams like completely dominated um, on U.S. soil. So thank God I didn't have to play against them because that would have just been <laughs> traumatic probably. I'd probably still have post-traumatic stress because they were just like 
so incredible. So I got to watch that, which was nice, but um, that would have been my first ever senior world championship. So I had to, to sit out of that, get surgery. Um, and like Kylie, I'll be, I'll be completely honest. Like that was probably the lowest point for me as like a person and an athlete. I don't think I was mature enough to handle having everything that I knew as an athlete, like completely taken away from me. I wasn't prepared for it. Um, at that point, like I didn't talk about my feelings. I kept everything like super bottled up, um, tried to pretend like everything was okay. It wasn't okay. I was probably not a good teammate throughout all of it. I was more just like focused in on what I didn't have versus and what I couldn't do instead of what I could do and what I get to do. And I think it took me just a, a way too much time to kind of mature, but I really, really do value that year, that red shirt year and, and growing as a person outside of growing as a lacrosse player and um, just the appreciation I have now to play and, and a different perspective I have for some of my athletes who are going through some hard times with injuries too. So it sucks. Everyone out there who's like missing a season, college or high school, um, whether you play competitively, competitively or you don't, it absolutely sucks. Um, but you can make a really cool reason and a really cool comeback story out of that if you focus on the right things. Yeah. And some of those right things, what would you say? are some of those things that got you, you know, out of that, out of that slump or out of that feeling, out of that low feeling? I think just like what I try to do now, especially is, although I'm training so hard physically, I put just much time and thought into the mental side of my preparation too. So whether that's doing like mindfulness meditations, gratitude, journaling, but just like understanding what I get to do rather than what I have to do is a huge one for me. And then just being in the moment and appreciating all the incredible people that I'm surrounded by and getting to know them and allowing them to motivate and inspire me just as much as I'm trying to motivate and inspire them. And you play lacrosse because it's a team sport. You don't play lacrosse because you want to like score all the goals or get all the draw control. So the wins and losses are incredible and they're, terrible like the highs and lows are so extreme but those memories like in the locker room and on the sideline and at practice you have a lot more of them than you do actual games so just like enjoy those have fun with those and just be like so grateful for the game and what the game game has has given you so probably just a totally different perspective is what I've really learned through through that hardship yeah I love that um just that one line you just said, like you have way more memories than you ever will games. Um, that, that just stuck with me. So thank you. I told you, I always leave here with at least one, <laughs> one little like quote or something that I just, I have to go write down. Um, yeah. So you mentioned too, right? Like after your junior year, you get back on the fields, you're probably stoked to do so too. Then you're at Maryland. Yeah. Then I, at the end of my, um, my junior season, it was kind of like a little bit of a wake up call, just thinking about, I spent the whole year rehabbing and getting myself like physically, physically back to play. And I was obsessed with my Ohio teammates. There were some incredible teammates and, and still friends that I have today. And I loved the university and um, Kate Brew, who recruited me to go to Ohio is still one of my really good friends. She lives in Annapolis and we try to catch up as much as we can. So 
Um, my roots there like are still pretty deep, but I was just like, I've got two years left to play. There's no pro lacrosse world cups for every four years. Like this is going to be my best opportunity to see what I can do. So, um, I, there was no portal, I guess. I don't even know. Like, how did I even transfer back then? How did that even happen? How did it work work with a portal? Um, but I reached out to a few schools and Maryland had always been like a dream of mine. I never thought I would be able to play there. And I'm a big, like vision board person, like probably like you, Kylie, I love quotes and I, I love putting things on my bulletin board. And my room as a little kid was like wild with like just lists and quotes and photos and everything. And I had had this, um, women and sports, um, magazine sports illustrated women's sports illustrated magazine this was like this was amazing this is when like the 99ers came out and they're like all over the place and there was um there was this article about maryland women's lacrosse and their dynasty and how many national championships they had won and you know a huge article on jen and i'd cut out it was a, a team photo where they were all sitting in a circle at center field i think it was like at ludwig field and they were just doing like a team meditation or visualization and I cut that out and I like taped it so that like it couldn't be ruined. And I posted it up and I had taken that with me to college, to Ohio. Like probably not a good idea to have another school's like picture up in, in your dorm room. Like that, that was probably not good of me. Um, and so when I had this opportunity, I was like, I, I'm going to try to like get myself to Maryland. This would be amazing. And at the time, Kathy Reese and Jen Adams were coaching at the University of Denver. So Jen had reached out to me. um, And so I visited Denver, I visited Maryland. And I was like, Oh, my goodness, like, what, how, how do I choose this? Like, Maryland is my dream. But like, all I want to do is play for Jen and Kathy. Um, So I ended up picking Denver, I decided to go to Denver. And then pretty soon, Cindy had kind of retired and then went to Navy and Kathy and Jen got the job at Maryland. So it was insane. Like how the fact that I got my dream school with my dream coaches, my second junior year of college, it was just, uh, I just like can't even believe that it all happened. So it was wild. So wild. And again, when you put it like that, I know I'm kind of asking you things in somewhat of chronological order. So it's kind of cool to see it this way, but like you had just gone through some really tough, low times and then you're coming out of it on that, you know, and just to compare the two, that's, that's pretty sweet just to be able to say like, okay, I came out of this on the other side and like, there is a light at the end of the tunnel kind of, kind of thing. Like we just saw that and you telling that story. So um, that was really, that was really cool for me to see. Um, one of our favorite questions to ask here on the Dream On podcast, and you've been on some really incredible teams. Maryland, you know, Team Canada. You've been on some great don't teams. Don't make me don't make make me pick a favorite, Kylie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't worry. I would never ask that. Um, because you know I can't do that either. So <laughs> but one of our favorite questions to ask is like we all a lot of us that come on here are all different, like come from different locker rooms. And a lot of times we're opponents, so we never get to see inside of each other's locker rooms or inside of each other's um superstitions or traditions or pregame speeches the good stuff. stuff yeah the good stuff and the memorable stuff like you said so um if I had to ask is there anything that sticks out to you over your playing career that's like 
okay, when I think of this, or I think of this tradition, I really think of Maryland, or I really think of Ohio, or I really think of Team Canada. Is there anything that you can share with us? Yeah, one of my, like, we joke about this, our, my Maryland uh, best friends, we joke about this all the time, like, all we want during alumni day is, like, put us back in the locker room, and let us choreograph our dances, like, pregame, that was one of our favorite things to be like back in the dorms or in our apartments and like just put together this like dance to pump everybody up. So um, Caitlin McFadden was a, a huge culprit of that. One of my like, she was my roommate at Maryland and one of my best friends, incredible dancer, great performer on and off the field. And then Maggie, Carissa, it was just like, we had the best times ever. Um, I think even in Canada, people are pretty good dancers on the Canadian national team too. But I would say like game day, my favorite part of game day is amazing music on in the locker room, dancing, like just getting so fired up and so excited. And then the post game wind dances are even better. So that that's probably one of my favorite super superstitions. Yeah, I <laughs> Kylie, you got any moves? You got any moves? I don't know if I've seen oh, you. Oh no! Dance yet. Yeah, listen, we didn't get to do those in Japan. I don't think, <laughs> um, until after after the games, but <laughs> yeah, those don't really count. But um, yeah, I think that's the same thing. You know, in college for us was um, I don't think I don't remember how they were choreographed, but it ended up being like someone had some sort of song that was always theirs to t- their time to get in the circle. Yeah you know, stuff like that. But yeah, it's just, it's the energy that's created. And the overall, I always like to say, it's like almost like an overall, like once you're inside the locker room, it doesn't matter if you're like, a, you know, like you just come out of your shell and you're a weirdo for your song, you know, like you just have totally. to for the team energy. And if you don't, you're not a good teammate, <laughs> you know, so just do it. <laughs> we laugh so hard. I'm like, if TikTok was invented when I was in college, like, I would not have made my study hall hours. I don't think like at all, like Caitlin and I would have been, I don't know if we would have been going like viral or making any money off of it, but I'm telling you, we would have, we would have spent way too much time on it. (laughs) Oh man. I think we need to like whip that back out maybe. And maybe that'll go viral. Um. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. So fun. So fun. And I was laughing with my players the other day. They were like, so what songs did you guys like listen to in college? Like what songs were cool when you were, when you guys were going out? I'm like, you don't even know. You don't even know who these bands and artists are. It was so funny. That is funny. They probably don't. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Oh gosh. That is just terrible. Oh my goodness. But um, something we also just talked about too, like Team Canada, some of the traditions inside the locker room, but you, you've you gotten to play for four world championships, including a fifth one with U19. Is that correct? And yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So that's, that's five different, you know, national teams. And, you know, you were at different points in your career as a player, as a teammate, as a leader throughout all of those. Um, so if you had to like, kind of sum it up from, you know, world cup number one to world cup number five, like, how do you feel like you've grown in all those categories? It's so bizarre. And it's probably similar to the college because you come in and you're the youngest and you don't know anything and you just go hard until someone tells you, you need to do something different. So you're just like, so happy to be there. And then the next couple there, you have the pressure. You're now like the leader of the team and 
the the culture of the team and the energy of the team is all dependent kind of on like the vibe you're throwing out there. And then as you get older and where I'm at now, like there's better players than me and the younger players are coming up and they're so excited. And your job is just to make sure that everybody feels so safe and so comfortable and so supportive. And then your role changes. You might go from being the one that used to have to score the game winning goal to the one that has to come off the field to let the person go on the field to score the game winning goal. So I think what's so unique about playing in so many different world championships is just like whatever your role is, and this is for like college and high school players is too, whatever your role is, just be like the freaking best at that role because you're no more important than anyone else. Your job isn't less important than anybody else. You are so special and you're so unique and uncommon in what you're able to do. That's why you're on the team and just freaking go at it to the best of your ability and nothing bad can happen when you're just being like a hundred percent authentically yourself and you're going to feel better. You're going to play better and you're going to have better relationships. So like the overarching of like, who's the best player and who's winning the world championship and who's on the all world team. That's just like fluff. That's a part of it, but it's not the most important, most important part of it. Um, And I think that's just the biggest thing as the, years go the world cups go your role changes and just try to be the best version at that role that you can possibly be Mm. I think that's so important and obviously we're talking on a national team level but like you said it that goes for any level of the game and um and all sports too so um I think that's really really important you also do a lot off the fields we talked about all the hats that you wear um but you do a lot off the fields in making sure that our opportunities on the fields as women are there. Um, We talked about this a little bit in the beginning, just with the box world championships coming up in 2024. Um, But there's had to be some moments of toughness, pushing for equal opportunities and, um, (laughs) you know, representing national teams in all disciplines and advocating for those things, being in in a spot where you can have a seat at the table and, you know, be able to say some of these things can't come easy, can't come with an easy journey. So can you talk on some of those difficulties and, um, you know, how you've been able to power, power through? Yeah, it's crazy because you're kind of like, it's 2024, like, Dana, how hard could it have been to just ask for equal opportunity to play and compete? But like, it was a little bit of a shit show. And to have to convince people from all over the world that women don't care about taking a cross check like if you've ever watched a field world championship and seen us at the end of the tournament like we take hits already and we're not even wearing equipment so of course we're going to want to play and actually get to wear equipment um so it was like it was long and it was draining and um it made me really really appreciate the pioneers of our sport that came well before you and I did who had to work a hell of a lot harder to create opportunities that we had growing up and that we had collegiately and also professionally. So I feel like I had an easier job and it was still super difficult and draining. And at some days you're kind of like, is this even worth it? Like, are people even listening? Do they even care? Or do they just care about like men's lacrosse? Like what is happening? Um, And one kind of moment and people listening, like, 
maybe moms or sisters or aunts might be able to relate to this a little bit, but one, one situation we were at, um, uh, like a huge assembly at the junior world championship in Peterborough, I think it was 2019. And we were talking as an athletes commission, just about giving us the chance to on the women's side, use any stick possible. So in men's lacrosse, you can use whatever stick you want, but in women's lacrosse, we were restricted to like international sticks only, which Kylie, you know, are like technology from 15 years ago. Like it's what I used in my first like junior world championship. And I'm using that in my last senior world championship. So standing up in front of like all the, the NGBs, which are national governing body, like representatives, which are mostly all male, by the way, and having to explain to them that like, I wear the best cleats to run and play the best I can. I wear the best mouth guard to like protect myself from like concussions and injury. Like, let me use the best lacrosse stick. If my brother can use the best lacrosse stick, why can't I use the best lacrosse stick? And at this point, people are saying, well, if you use a better stick, you're going to be able to shoot harder. And girls shouldn't be able to shoot harder because if they shoot harder, someone's going to get hurt. I'm like, we already shoot hard. Like, do you want to get your clock out? I'll show you how hard we can shoot already. It'll be a little bit more um, accurate if we have the right stick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll just be like way better with the right stick. So, and then fast forward to Towson, our, our world championship, where we're on ESPN and we all have Sports Center highlight plays, which you couldn't use with a spoon that they were making us play with before. Um, so that was crazy hearing that and just saying that girls shouldn't be able to shoot that hard because it's too dangerous. That's bizarre. And then fast forward it the next day, we're sitting in a conversations about sixes and I'm getting up there and I'm um, the athlete representative for sixes. And I won't say what country said this, but they came up and said, why do you have any say on the discipline of sixes and the rules when you don't know box lacrosse and you don't play box lacrosse. And I was just like, okay, this is the first time in my professional career that someone's putting my like experience, like down the toilet, just because I'm female and I don't have the right to talk about the future of lacrosse because I don't play box lacrosse. When in actuality, out of our whole athletes commission, three men and three women, I was the only one to play women's field lacrosse and men's box lacrosse, which is why they put me forward to be the athlete representative. Um, and I had people that chimed in and, and kind of, you know, let that person know what they needed to know in that moment. And I got to just sit there, but it was just kind of like, for all of the comments and the resistance, that's so few. When you really think about the big picture of how many female athletes are out there that want the opportunity. So you really just have to grow some tough skin and just like keep plugging along and you know you might hang up on a zoom call and have some tears because you're just like is this are they really saying this about us but you just have to remember who you're fighting for and what you're fighting for and you know keep being passionate and keep being loud and keep making the noise because eventually people are going to hear you and it's going to be it's going to be worth it but yeah that was that was some wild stuff I have to be honest gosh well Fire me up, Dana. I mean, <laughs> why didn't you have every every woman who was at the world championships up there up there with you? Oh gosh, we would have stormed the whole place, I think. But but seriously, that's like, you know, 
obviously an unfortunate situation that comes with, like you said, being loud and fighting for what we all deserve as women. And um, I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to thank you one more time. Um, you don't have to thank, you don't I'm have to thank, thank you. You, you would have done the, you would have done the same thing if you were me that I was just, you know, the yep. person in the, in the right place at the right time. So, you know, I have no, I've got no problems with it. You know, people will say, I'm sure based on meeting me and being on calls with me that, you know, I just sometimes, you know, say whatever comes to, to my mind, but I'm just saying what is like deserved and most importantly, what's earned at this point, you know, a lot of work has come in way ahead of us that we shouldn't even have to to be involved in these conversations but we are so we're going to make the difference and we're going to make the sport better than how it was given to us because that's the job we have to play in it all so you would have done the exact same thing Kylie I promise you yeah well invite me to the next zoom meeting okay (laughs) (laughs) I like to say things too (laughs) I like to speak my mind too freely just like I know (laughs) know. so fun (laughs) let's unite one more time Exactly. Uh, <laughs> we we lefties have each other's backs. Um, so uh here on the Dream On podcast, we like to play a couple games. Number one is just kind of like a quick three word or three phrases, if you need two words or so, answers to finding out some of the things that you value in the people around you. So valuing things in people, valuing things in teammates and leaders, like what are the traits that you look for? Um so can you give me three one-word things that you look for in a person? Happiness. I just love being around like happy, good people, good vibes. Like if you're a downer, I'm probably not hanging out with you for t- too long. I'll do my best to try to pick you up. But if you're not feeling it, I'll probably probably move on. Um, loyalty is a huge one, I think, especially in a locker room. If it's not something you would say to the person, it's not something you should say, you know, outside that locker room. And I've had incredible friends that I've been able to trust and they've been able to trust me. And I, I just think, you know, that's something that athletes get more, more than anything is just having that loyalty and, and someone always having your back, whether you're right or wrong, you got to have your buddy's back. That's just like, that's just how, how it goes. Um, and then I think um, inspirational. I just love being around people that push me outside my comfort zone because that's, we all know that's where the magic happens. So um, as much as you don't want it, sometimes in the moment, you'll always look back and be like, ah, you really kicked my butt there, really pushed my buttons and I'm so much better for it. Yeah, that's awesome. What do you think are some of the traits that you value in teammates? Probably all the same ones. Yeah. I would have to say I wouldn't I wouldn't change I wouldn't change too much of that if you can if you can take care of those three little things you guys are going to be in such such great shape. What about in a leader? Probably humility. I think the best the best captains that I've looked up to are, you know, the first ones to say that they're not always right and they didn't always do it right and just being really vulnerable. I I think it took me a really long time to be vulnerable as a friend, as a teammate, as a coach. Um, and you have to be vulnerable, vulnerable to really get to know yourself. And when you know yourself, you can give the best of yourself and you can bring out the best in other people too. So, you know, staying 
closed up and staying like quiet and staying hidden um, is, is really, really difficult when you're around such a big group, like a lacrosse team. So probably, probably those two things and a captain that I've really valued, learned a lot from, and then I try to instill those, those in my personality also. I like those too. Every time I ask those questions, I get different words from all of our guests so far, which is really fun, right? Cause you think you ask the same questions, to the same people, maybe you'll get you know, yeah. answers and every single answer has been different. Um, so that's really, really unique. Um, okay. Another one of our favorite questions here is kind of like a two-sided question. So the first one, I'd like to know some, maybe like a piece of advice, or like you said, your big quote wall vision board, maybe a quote that has kind of you heard or you saw, um, that's just stuck with you and you've taken into life. This is like perfect for your podcast, but my biggest one that I had like massively on my wall growing up was if you can dream it, you can live it. And I've just been so freaking fortunate that a lot of those ideas and dreams that I had as a little kid have really come true when you think about playing for Canada, going to college, honestly, graduating from college. That was huge for me. <laughs> for other people, it was just a given. That was huge for me and, and huge for my family. That was something that was like something I'm so proud of. Um, playing professionally, that's wild to like have been paid to play lacrosse. Like that's the craziest thing to me, coaching lacrosse. And then the biggest one of all is like the Olympics and and having the opportunity to see lacrosse in the Olympics. Like my favorite thing during Olympic time, Summer Olympics, Winter Olympics, it doesn't matter. Sorry, parents, you're going to get so mad at me. But like skipping school, going home, watching all the Olympics, no matter like what time it was, staying up so late, getting up so early. um, And again, dating myself, no social media, going to the store the next day, getting the newspaper, like cutting out all the photos and making a scrapbook. Like the Olympics were everything everything to me as like a little kid growing up so to think about those scrapbooks and then fast forward to 2028 you know that little kid is going to be cutting out lacrosse photos it's just like the the coolest freaking thing yeah oh man when you put it like that I I would like to see one of those scrapbooks if you still have them at some point you gotta they're probably oh my embarrassing they're probably so embarrassing and in my parents basement somewhere that (laughs) should definitely not be (laughs) unlocked classic if you ever get back and you're looking through those boxes and you see one send you some snaps so it disappears (laughs) (laughs) oh there we go Okay, so flip the script a little bit. Um, We know that a lot of people follow you and follow you for inspiration, myself included. Um, So those people who look up to you, if you were basically just by living your life, giving them some piece of advice, what would you hope that they're taking from you? Just like be yourself, be yourself and have like a freaking blast. It's just like so much pressure. There's so much pressure and like, so much expectation and everybody out there that's listening to this who like you call yourself a person like perfectionist like let it go let it go and like just find the joy in your life and the joy in your day and just like do what makes you happy and the rest of everything will just kind of like fall into place so I think um a big one is kind of comparison for me is the thief of joy. And I try to like tell as many people that as possible, like 
stop comparing yourself to anyone else and just really think about like who you are, who you want to be and just like what makes you feel good when you're when you're out there doing that. So I hope when people like watch me play or meet me for the first time, I hope they just really see that I'm just trying to be, you know, authentically myself and know that that is enough. And, you know, that's the best profession you can possibly be is just being like a pro at who you are and what you do. Hmm. Be authentically yourself. And that is enough. I'm thinking of all these one-liners right now from this. (laughs) I've read enough I've read enough self-help books Kylie that I think I could probably split just start spitting them off one by one but um, me too (laughs) me too whether it's yeah it's the best it's the best (laughs) and I think that's honestly in itself like we didn't even ask you a question about that but that in itself is important for everyone who's listening to hear you say that that's something that you work on you know um yeah I'm sure it's something that you work on with your girls at Loyola too, right? I'd say like my new favorite thing that I would like encourage everybody to do, no matter like where you are in your life, like you don't know what you want to do or a new transition in your life. You're just graduating. You're just going to college is like spend like five minutes a day that you can start your day with it. You can end your day with it. But like three things you're super grateful for what would make today great because you're in charge of what your day is going to look like. So what can you control to make your day great? And then at the end of the day, like what were your highlights? Like what made that day awesome? And what are you looking forward to for tomorrow? So every day can be the same day or every day can be a new day. And it's just like our perspective and, and how we kind of want to navigate through that, but spending some time to like stop, reflect, appreciate, um and really like listen to yourself you know we listen to a lot of things we listen to this podcast thank you everybody for listening um our instagrams we listen to what's inside lacrosse saying who are the best recruits what's your team ranked like you know there's a lot of noise that we listen to and i think we need to pause all of that and and spend more time listening to ourselves and you know really navigating that side of who we are and and who we want to be and you know, I'm older and that's something I still spend so much time doing. So yeah, I, that's just what I would really kind of encourage most people that are listening to this. If you don't do that, you know, start, start trying it and just see, you know, maybe it will make your day better. Maybe it won't, but it's worth the shot. Love that. And I love that you gave us a, a prime example of how to start too. We don't even know where to start. So thank you for that. Um, our dream on listeners want to know, what Dana's dreaming about what's next in life for Dana what are you dreaming about these days honestly I'm dreaming about early retirement (laughs) and how can I make how can I make that happen I love coaching but like I don't know if I want to be like 65 out there doing draw controls and writing up plays so I'm I'm dreaming about early retirement and having an opportunity to see like travel the world and see the world outside of a lacrosse field. And and I mean that like in such an endearing way, because I'm so appreciative of the world that I've seen through lacrosse, but I'm also just like really excited for an opportunity to see the world outside of lacrosse. Yeah. As just a human. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Get my Instagram like less lacrosse and like maybe I'll change it to landscapes and portraits. Wow. <laughs> That's when we know she's hit early. We'll <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. We have one question from our KO17 fam for you. Um, and this one's from Alicia on Instagram. And she wants to know how accessible lacrosse was to you growing up versus how it is now and ultimately how that like makes you feel. Yeah, cool question. I played my lacrosse season was like two months long. So I played in June and July and then hockey season was 12 months long. So you barely got like a break from hockey to play lacrosse. And the wild thing about it is I never went to a lacrosse camp. I never did like speed training or strength training or any of that really cool stuff that that's out there today. And there was no like Instagram. There was no really, there was actually like no real internet, honestly, when I was growing up until like high school, when you had to do dial up internet. So you weren't watching YouTube at that point, it didn't exist. So it was pretty like rare, but in a way it's so incredible to have lived that way because I wasn't comparing myself. Like I said before, I wasn't, you know, watching other people and being like, Oh, I'm missing out. I was just able to just like play and be present and like compete and go to tournaments and have fun with my friends. And, you know, it was just, it was such a different, different time that I'm really, really thankful and grateful for because it allowed me to do, so many other things but um it's it definitely is way different now and I think I would actually freaking love it now too at the same time so I don't know like (laughs) what is better I wouldn't change it but at the same time like if I could have grown up watching Jen Adams on Instagram and learn how to like be such an incredible like feeder and finisher or watch like Kayla Trainer do what she does behind the net in both hands insane and then too growing up Kylie watching you and your creativity and being like holy smokes like look at her behind the backs and around the world like I should try that in my game again I probably wouldn't have gone to school I'd probably just be like doing TikToks watching YouTubes and trying to improve my game I know so, so parents you're gonna be so mad at so so <laughs> for that what we've got from today's <laughs> podcast is that when you go into early retirement you're going to be scrapbooking, TikTok famous, and yes. just ultimately living your life on YouTube, watching old lacrosse videos. Wow. Yeah, and then wild. And I'll sell all of my, all of my, like, well, I'll probably steal Alex Ost's travel yeah. itineraries. <laughs> I'll probably do all of her travels. Um, and then I'll sell those too, because she's already done the work. So I can just like repeat what her and Marcus have done over the years. Good idea. <laughs> there was one wedding, it was Marie McCool's <laughs> wedding that we went to and both, um, you know, Ryland for me and Marcus for her weren't there because of a PLL game. So we were like, I'm like, Hey, can you plan this? <laughs> this wedding? Yes. Thank you. You got it. <laughs> you planned it. And it was perfect. <laughs> so, so fun. So fun. I agree. Speaking of fun, we like to end um, all our podcasts on a fun note with a little segment we call quick finishes, just like, you know, on the field. Um, (laughs) So we're just going to kind of get to know Dana a little bit here with some fun little rapid fire questions about candy and dislikes and all that good stuff. You ready? Oh, gosh. Okay. Oh, gosh. We'll try. What's your favorite sweet tooth treat? 
I'll go Twizzlers mm-hmm. and probably like anything chocolate. I just like after every meal, just give me a little chocolate something. Yep, me too. It's always like a handful <laughs> of chips, like whatever yeah. I can find. <laughs> something. What is the best TV show in your opinion? I kind of love I kind of love some good TV. So I'll just like go with my recent ones. Um Netflix Love on the Spectrum. It is like just so beautiful and to see how incredible these families are and siblings and just their relationships and uh it's just it's amazing. So I recommend that. And what I just watched on Amazon Prime, have you seen Dance Life at all? Oh my gosh. So amazing. So it's this reality. I don't even watch really reality shows, but these ones are good. I was going to say it's dance. (laughs) I know a little little bit of a theme here, but no bachelor, none of that. But um, it is about this dance high school in Australia. And these kids are just the most insane dancers, incredible athletes, but they have to be triple threat. So they have to sing, act and dance. And their coaches, they're like lacrosse players. If you think your coaches are tough, watch Dance Life and you will, you know, it will give you a whole different perspective. Yeah. Wow. So those, those two shows right now, unbelievable. Okay. Uh, Dance Life, I'm definitely going to look into. Um, who is one of your favorite athletes to follow for inspiration? God, I follow. I just like, I love it. I honestly love it all. Soccer players, tennis players, basketball players, lacrosse players are the best out of everyone. So I'll, I'll trump those guys first, but, um, growing up, like, like I said, the U S 99ers, Mia Hamm and Julie Foudy, those were, they're big ones for me. And then I'm just like, all I'm such a lacrosse fan. So there's so many players that I love and I won't even start mentioning them because I don't want to leave anybody out (laughs) at all, but I love, I just love like women's sports and then guys sports too. Like I, I'll just, I'll just support it all honestly what I love a top dog and I love an underdog so I can't even like you're like I just I love it all just put me in front of it yeah Yeah. let me watch (laughs) oh I'm kind of the same way um what is your go-to breakfast meal give it all to me give me the eggs the bacon (laughs) the toast (laughs) some pancakes um but I love like I love (laughs) bacon and eggs I so love that little breakfast buffet. Okay. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have a book that you would recommend to athletes? Like I said, like I, I read a lot of mindfulness and meditation um, books. One of my like favorite books that my dad actually gave to me when I was 14, people are going to think this is crazy um was how to win friends and influence people it's more of like a a business book but I think it just really teaches you how to listen how to listen and to kind of hear what's important to other people and how you can kind of put yourself in conversations and and have meaningful conversations that was that was an amazing book that I read pretty young that I would recommend people might find it boring but you know read a couple pages take a break read a couple pages and and make your way through it (laughs) I like that. That's very different um, and probably really important, especially in today's day and age, right? So um, yeah. Are you a beach or mountains kind of person? Water. Give me the beach, but more like I'm lake life. So like, yeah, lake water is dirty water, but I'm still going to pick the lake over the ocean. But I'm guessing you're 
for the Long Island, you're probably an ocean girl, eh? Yeah, I think I think I gotta be, you know, I love some good mountains, but yeah, you just have to be the beach. Like, it's the same as you, right? You come from near the lake, so you yeah. are, you are what you nothing know. Can, nothing can eat me in the lake, though. Like, that's why I'm, like, terrified of the ocean. You got the know. jellyfish, you got the sharks, the stingrays, like, we don't have that. You like the all the like, horror stories and stuff like are by the lakes you know like all the lake houses and stuff Did Me, I was, that's not real life <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair <laughs> uh, okay what is your favorite jersey number to rep and why this is your this is crazy so growing up I was 17 my whole life and everything hockey lacrosse 17 17 17 at Ohio University so cool. and then when I yeah, I loved 17. And then when I transferred to Maryland, um, Becky Clip was a senior captain and she was in 17. So obviously I'm not getting that thing. And the only number that was left that had a seven in it was 27. And growing up, I was a huge like um, women's Canada ice hockey, like massive fan. And my favorite player on Team Canada was number 27, Laura Schuler. So I ended up like being inspired by her when I was a little kid. And now, you know, I continue to to wear that number. And that's just like, that's just a wild thing to me. And now I can't imagine wearing 17, even though that's like, I thought I was going to have like a 17 tattoo growing up because I loved it so much. But now 27 has kind of been um, the fresh new start that I needed it in such a pivotal time for me. That's a really inspiring way to look at it too. Um, okay, last two questions. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Depends what's happening, Kylie. I can stay less. I can stay up if if I need to, but um I also like getting getting up and getting at it. So I know some people are like more on one scale or to the other. I can kind of I can kind of be flexible. What are you? More morning? I'm kind of the same way as you. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of depends. Like if I got to wake up and, and go for it, I got to wake up and go for it. If I yeah. don't have a crazy busy morning, then I can also stay up. But I don't know. I grew up like, I grew up having to go to 6am hockey practices. So like that trained you to like wake up and go to the point where you're sleeping in your long johns and you have like your hockey Everything. equipment next to your bed and then you put half of your equipment on and then you got your shoes on instead of your skates and you're going to the arena like half dressed so that kind of primed me to be a morning person but then at the same time like if you know your friends are around and you're you're having a good time I can I can hang, you can hang. <laughs> I can attest to that um <laughs> what is one thing on your bucket list last but not least olympics in some in some capacity i would say that's that's the one thing on my uh on my dream hit list that i've yet to accomplish that i would be so happy to even just be like a spectator just enjoying all the countries and and getting to watch it coaching would be a huge honor to coach your national team i i can't think of a a bigger honor than that than to lead to lead your team as a coach there but um if i could go back in time and be like 20 years old and get to play I'd probably pick that first but just to to be a part of it in some way and to be there is is probably number one on the bucket list right now yeah I can agree with that 
Um, and we have you to thank for all of these amazing movements forward, you and everyone who's come, like you said, before us um, to make sure that um, us as athletes, we get these opportunities to not only get out there and play in multiple different disciplines of the game, but also get to hang out with each other like this and yes. really get to know each other. And, um, you know, I never knew that you were 17 and now we have just another reason to be guesty lefties. Um, yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, that concludes the rest of our questions from tonight, but I could have honestly sat here and we joked about it before the podcast started, but could have sat here and chatted lax with you all night. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy, busy woman. Um, and I'm just so grateful to have gotten to go to Japan with you, have gotten to watch you do incredible things for our sport. I've gotten to be a teammate of yours, um, have gotten to be an opponent of yours and um, have gotten to be a fan of yours as well. So thank you so much for being here. All right. I got you, Kylie. I know like, you know, watching you as a high school kid and recruiting you and then getting to see what you did all through college and then internationally and that, that huge comeback to a great pro season last summer too. And just thank you so much for what you do for the future of the game and how much you give back to it and, and the passion that you continue to deliver to, to all those that are around you too. So this is what makes lacrosse so special is the people. So just feel so lucky to have been able to sit down and chat with you and go through all of this. And um, I can't wait to, to stay listening and see who you have on next. Yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> me too. Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you guys next time.